And if you'd like to follow our first reading this morning, uh, you can find it on page 1219, 1219 in our church Bibles. And it's taken from the first letter of Peter in chapter 3, and I'm going to start reading at verse 8. The first letter of Peter, chapter 3. Finally, all of you, live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to do this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever who would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against you or your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed by their slander. It is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit, through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. And reading, if you want to follow it, is in uh, John 18, starting at verse 19, and you'll find that on page 1086 
in the church Bibles. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby struck him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest, he demanded? If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Then Annas sent him, still bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. As Simon Peter stood warming himself, he was asked, You are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him, Didn't I see you with him in the olive grove? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a cock began to crow. This is the gospel of the Lord. Well, good morning. Simon uh, started off this uh, new mini-series on the marks of mission, the five marks of mission, and I thought he did an excellent job of, of explaining what mission is and how we as the Church of England, but churches generally, might look at a wide range of things as being mission. And um, it's quite good that we start with evangelism because we can clarify a few things because I think very often we can think of evangelism and mission as being interchangeable words when in fact we've got four more of these to come because there are five marks of mission. And so one of the reasons for doing that is to really affirm those who are doing lots of things in Christchurch that it is missional, it is outreach, even if maybe it doesn't look like it. But something which definitely is, and people can connect in their minds, is this idea of evangelism. Now evangelism is to proclaim the good news. It's not to convert, but to proclaim. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts others when they hear our words. So the first thing to set down is that is that kind of guilt or that impression that we have to do something other than just share our faith with others. I uh, transport my son around on a Saturday morning and I take the opportunity, as I may have shared before, to listen to things on, on YouTube on the way home. And uh, I decided this week to listen to Billy Graham I know about Billy Graham, but I confess I'd never actually sat down and listened to him speak for any length of time. And he, it was a 1971 crusade, and he started with these words. Thousands here will need to make a choice about Jesus. Whether you reject him or receive him, you will not be the same afterwards. So to evangelize is to proclaim so that people have to make a choice but you don't need to make them make the choice. You are called 
to proclaim, or we are called to proclaim. Now, at this point in the 10.30, I'll have a little video to show, so I'll just sort of describe it, basically, because the next question is, what is the good news? And it's just occurred to me sitting there that I can demonstrate it from here. Am I on the roving mic? Can I walk around? Is that okay? Yeah? Excellent. Now, I want you to picture three circles, and you can do this with a piece of paper. You just draw three circles. So imagine that's the first circle up there, the second one is over here, and the third one is here. This is the perfect shape, as you'll see in a minute. And really, it's an opportunity to explain the gospel in those three circles. Has anybody come across this before? No? Okay. So imagine, this is God's will for the world, and it's perfect. We know that, that what God creates is supposed to be perfect. But we know that through the fall, that's not the case. So this is where we live. And we live in a broken world. And in the picture, you've got a little, a little stick man running from there to there, which is the rebellion against God's perfection to the fall, the broken world that we live in now. And we know it's broken because of all the things that go wrong. And then you have a whole series of little lines that come off which are squiggly because those are all the ways in which people try and escape from the broken world. It might be through busyness from work. It might be through uh, addiction to things. It might be all manner of things. But the trouble is that they all, you might escape just very briefly, but it always brings you back to that broken world. What do you think the third circle is? What's always the answer to a question a vicar might ask? Jesus, Jesus thank you. Right, so the th- <laughs> and isn't it great, the shape that we've got here? In this third circle is God's solution to that separation that we have here. And that is that if we move to Jesus, who came down to teach us and to die for us, but rose again, is that this route here is opened up. So through Jesus coming and dying for us, that route back to God's perfect will is opened up. And when Jesus comes again, everything will be made perfect again. Does that work as a gospel? And it's quite simple, isn't it? Okay. So, that is the good news. That is the good news we're asked to proclaim. And Jesus' very first words in the gospels, if we take Mark as being the first gospel... Does anybody know his very first word? Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Those are Jesus' first recorded words in the Bible. Now, in our reading today, we had two readings. We had the gospel uh, from John, and then we had the reading from Peter. Now, the gospel has got two very different scenarios running alongside at the same time. And very briefly, Jesus said, I have spoken openly. Now, Jesus is our model, isn't he? I have spoken openly. Nothing was done in secret. I spoke the truth. Peter, at the same time, is saying, I don't know him. Peter is denying him at exactly the same time. He had his chance. And just a few hours before... In chapter 13, he said, I will lay down my life for you. And yet, in the face of it, he denied him three times. Just as Jesus said he would. 
Now, just hold on to that thought for a moment. I'm sure you've thought about Peter's denial many times before. This is the same Peter who wrote the letter to the churches after the resurrection. And he's writing to the churches in Asia Minor who were facing suffering and persecution. And he tells them to stand fast in true grace of God. We see that in chapter 5. And he says, repay evil with blessing. So to be a Christian in these settings, they were going to receive evil. They were going to receive persecution. They were going to be put down. They were going to not get into jobs. There were all sorts of reasons why they would be surrounded by evil. And he says, don't hit back. He says, repay with blessing. Love your enemy. Bless, do not curse. Jesus says. Jesus also said that people will hate you because of me. And Peter knows, that, uh, Peter knows this. And so he offers the churches encouragement. And he goes on to say, even if you suffer, do not fear, but revere Christ. So you center on the person in this circle. Don't dwell in that circle over there. And then the key verse that this whole reading was chosen for, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Always be prepared to give an answer if somebody asks you for the hope that you have. Because one of the things about there is it has people from here and they look different Because even though it's a broken world, they have the hope of Christ. So when we revere Christ, we shine out the hope of Christ in a broken world. And that is attractive. So that people will ask the question. And then we can say, I have hope because Jesus died for me. And God wants to take us back into relationship and to a perfect world. There's a promise of eternal life. In other words, Peter is saying, proclaim the good news. And the little passage closed with a slightly odd kind of um, picture, but Jesus is our model. Even though he was put to death, he was made alive in the spirit, and he proclaimed to those in rebellion. It talks about the imprisoned spirits and harks back to Noah and the flood and, and, and God's wrath being played out in that picture. So Jesus, even immediately after the resurrection, unseen to everybody else, is proclaiming the good news to those who have walked away from God. When we proclaim the good news, somebody has to make a choice and their life will be changed, whether they say yes or they say no. Now, what I have here is a huge pile of books And last week it occurred to me, oh, I've got to preach on evangelism. And I looked in my bookshelf of all the books on evangelism I have accumulated over the last six or seven years. All of which are unread. (laughs) So I have been slaving for you this week, I'll tell you. It's amazing what you can do by reading the first chapter, the last chapter, and reading the back of the book. Anyway, um, so I haven't read all of these. But 
there's so many books telling us how to do evangelism, but I'll start with one, which is by Rico Tice, who wrote the Christianity Explored course uh, from All Souls Laying in Place. He said, he starts out his book by saying, I find evangelism hard. I felt some of that soaring joy over the years as I've seen the Lord seek and find lost people. But I'm going to be talking and uh, taking an honest look at some of the grueling aspects of the loss and the search. And he called his book Honest Evangelism. Because lots of those books will say, it's easy, just walk across the room and talk to your friend and tell them about Jesus. And he's saying, I've been doing this for years. And it's hard. There's a cost to sharing that good news. But he also says, when it works, he has had a soaring joy of knowing one more person in the kingdom. And what happens when one more person comes into the kingdom? Heaven has a party. But that raises a question for all of us. Is it me? Now, um, I was at the annual meeting of uh, my sending church, St. Mary's in Rygate, and the vicar is having his first meeting, just arrived. Um, and he got some people from the... I was going to get you to do it, but we probably don't have time. He got some people from the, from the annual meeting, and he got them to stand in a circle. And they stood like this, all facing each other. And he said, we don't want to do that, do we? And he got them all to turn around so that they were looking outwards. And that's a good picture, isn't it? A church which is looking out to its community. And I just had this little stab in my heart which went, that doesn't look quite right. I knew what he was trying to say. And I contacted him afterwards. And he said, well, any picture kind of breaks down somewhere. And what, what got me was that when this whole church was, everybody was looking out, everybody in the church had their back to one another. And that's not what church is. So actually a better picture is that some are looking outwards and some are still looking inwards, looking after the backs of those who are sent. Does that make sense? So what that means for you, if you're sitting there thinking, it's not me, it's not me, don't get me to do evangelism, it might not be you. But we pray for and we encourage those for whom it is. Yeah? We don't just say, we don't want to do that. We do want to do that, and we want to do it well. And it's those who are gifted and called should be sent and should be equipped and supported by us. However, I'm going to say that's something that we can all do. So I read a book uh, by John Peters, and uh, he was talking about evangelism in the real world as opposed to the the kind of rose-tinted world. And he said, we aren't all evangelists. In fact, Paul says that. He says, some are given this, some are given that. And one of them was evangelism. So the gift of evangelism only lands on certain people. And uh, I read a description somewhere that they're the sort of people that can make a telephone directory interesting. You know, There's a certain gift and a passion and an ability to talk to people and to engage with people. This uh, description also said, ironically, they're not very good at actually relating to individuals but they're very good at talking about the gospel. So we're not all evangelists. He also highlights two things, that the young Christians, that's not necessarily age, but in terms of maturity of faith, are in the maximum opportunity 
to reach out to those who don't know Christ because they, they're already out in the world and they've just come in to church. So they still have that circle of friends which are not church-related, but they have the less in the backpack because they've just come to Christ. Those who are more mature in faith are probably, not always, are probably more likely to look at their circle of friends and see they're all Christians. And so they have less opportunity, but they've got more to offer. And so there's something in there about how we, how we make use of those individual situations, but also assessing our own situation. And Bill Hybels, who does have a book called Just Walk Across the Room, looks at a kind of a time scale of faith. We start by accepting grace. We then use our gifts to serve. And it's very easy to get stuck at that point. And that's a good thing to do, to, to serve. But the next two stages he identifies are focusing on people and spreading grace. So if we're in a position where we have a mature faith and that we are serving and we're, we might run lots of teams and whatever, but we feel that we're not actually sharing the gospel then maybe the next stage is that one to focus on people. Find people who are not of faith and just hang out with them. Because the next opportunity is to spread grace. And that might be for some people here. It might be sitting on the bench in the centre of town. It might be going for a, co- a coffee in Costa. It might be shopping in the high street. It might be on the train going into London or somewhere else. You might be a member of a residence association. There's all sorts of places which are not church, where people are, where they're in the broken world and they need to hear about Jesus. Alan Scott, in his book um, called Scattered Servants, says that what we're called to do is to spill contagious hope into a hurting community. Spill contagious hope into a hurting community. So, what about Christchurch? Well, there's lots going on at the moment, and at 10.30 we'll have Carl here to tell us about Mates and Plates, Supper Socials, Alpha, Who Let the Dads Out, Carousel, Cap, the Vintage Car Rally, the Foyer Cafe, and a whole load of other stuff which goes on. So there's already lots of things going on. Quite a lot of it means people coming to us. But there is more. And there's an evangelism strategy which has been put to paper. And it has five strands to it. And I'd just like to share those with you. Because each strand comes with it a course or an opportunity to be equipped in these areas. And the first one, which I think is for everyone, is personal witness. Because everyone has a story. Now that doesn't mean proclaiming the good news and it doesn't mean knowing your Bible inside out it just means saying I have Jesus in my life and it's different for this reason and everybody's answer to that will be different but anybody can share that with somebody else it doesn't need to go any further other than maybe if you're interested come along and meet some more people some of whom you know are evangelists so personal witness so there'll be a little workshop about called the Witness Workshop, which is, how do I do that? How do I form my story so it's something that I can tell to somebody else? Anybody can do that. I'm going to sell that to house groups and anybody will listen because anybody here can do that. Uh, 
The next one is engaging people. And there are some people in this church who want to go and knock on doors and stand and talk to people on the doorstep. Um, and I think if we get the terms of engagement right, you know, why you're there. I don't know about you. If somebody comes to my door, I immediately go, what are you here for? Um, and the ideal opportunity is when we're taking a leaflet to say, come along to these services at Christmas or Easter, for example. Um, and so we'll do some equipping of those who want to go and do that. That is very much a, spe- a specialist call, is to go and to knock on doors. But when we get to that point, everybody here needs to be praying for them, for their protection, and they will have the right words and they'll see the opportunities when they open up to invite people to know about Jesus. The next one is about healing, because what we find in uh, the Gospels is various places where Jesus would perform a miracle or heal someone, and when somebody asks him about it, he'll say, that is so that they know who I am. That is so that they see the kingdom. That is so that they see the power of my Father. Now for some, that, that prayer ministry, that power evangelism, John Wimber called it, will be their calling. It might be just a small group. There are some people who pray in the streets already in Purley. And we can have some more people joining that. But it's also in that personal witness conversation, when you're chatting to somebody who is a friend, or a colleague, or somebody you've just met in the coffee shop, and you share a little bit of each other's lives, and they say, you know, I've had this awful pain in my back for a long time, is having the confidence to say, would you like me to pray for you? Because we have prayer ministry at our church, and people have been healed. So, you never know, it might work. Do you want me to pray for you? It's not necessarily grabbing people off the street and taking them to a, a booth somewhere. It could just be part of general conversation. So there'll be a course for that as well, learning to heal. And then uh, the last one is about pioneering. And this is for those who might think that we need to be setting up new worship communities, not here, not on a Sunday, and not in the way we do it here. It's called Fresh Expression or pioneering. Now we're hosting a course called Mission Shaped Ministry. I have several copies of the, the leaflet here because Will Cookson, who is the Dean of Fresh Expressions for the Diocese, was at Deanery Synod and he shoved a load in my hand saying, we need lots of people from Christchurch to come on this because it had to be cancelled last time. So if you think that might be you, it's a year's commitment. It, is, it runs throughout a year. Um, but if you think that might be you, and it's looking towards, as I say, doing church differently somewhere else at a different time, then speak to me at the end and I'll give you the leaflet. There's no commitment, but find out if that's going to be you. Now on the slide at 10.30, I've got a picture of Christchurch in the middle, and I've got four arrows going out. What we're going to do is not just one thing, because different people are called to different things. And I think that... If we go out in the strengths and the gifts that people have, we are going to be so much stronger in terms of proclaiming that good news than if we say, right, everybody's got to do one thing, because not everybody's called to one thing. And some of you will be, will be there to encourage these four strands as they go out, because it isn't your call. But I think each one of these has got to be some people in this church. Does that sound okay? Because mm-hmm. one of the
pressures that we can feel is, I have to do this, I can't do this, therefore I'm not going to do anything. Um, I think you were quoting John Stott, which was the guilty silence. Because if we truly want to grow the kingdom, we need to proclaim the good news. We need to do all these other things, like nurture disciples and love people and um, uh, seek justice in community and, and look after creation. But we need to proclaim the good news. Because we have a gift and it is selfish of us to hold on to it. We have to give it to others. So the prayer to finish with today is, I think everyone has a personal story. So that's for everyone. I think everybody can pray and encourage our evangelists. Pray for and encourage our evangelists. That's for everyone. But for some, it will be for engaging people by uh, receiving and exercising that evangelistic gift. It will be receiving and exercising the healing gift. And it will be stepping out in faith as a pioneer for creative ways in which we can be church. Let's just take a moment just to think about all of those things. Maybe just to ask God for where your place is in those five areas. And then we'll pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your Son. We thank you that even though we live in a broken world, you have sent a solution and you have cleared the way to a relationship through your Son. Help us to have confidence to seek our role in evangelizing this community. Not just us, but the churches across this town. And as your son opened with the words, repent for the kingdom of God is near, help us to carry that message to others, that they too will come to know you. We pray this.